Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of Animals to the Max. I am your host, Corbin Maxey. Ladies and gentlemen, I, oh my goodness, I cannot wait for this episode. I cannot wait to relive my Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park adventure. I've been waiting for this for for so long. I mean, oh my goodness. I've just, you guys, ever since I got back from those parks, I feel like my life has been changed. And I know that sounds so cheesy and you're probably like, okay, whatever, Corbin. But seriously, I have... I mean, especially Yellowstone, my mind was just blown. Literally, I just could not stop thinking about, oh my goodness, like, I have so much stuff I want to share, you know, regarding my experience there. And I've already done a lot. If you follow me on my social media channels, or if you follow me on my YouTube page, which is just simply Corbin Maxi, you'll know that I've already posted several vlogs. I've done several posts on my Instagram and Facebook, just talking about my experience. And I'm actually going to be working soon on a blog as well with some tips to help people prepare for their trip to the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone National Park. So welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. This is going to be my experience in Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. And if you did not get a chance, I encourage you to listen to the first part of my Yellowstone, uh, I guess my first part of my series of podcasts regarding Yellowstone, episode 144. It's where I go over my top Yellowstone tips and what you need to know before planning a trip to the Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks. As I mentioned you know, in that podcast, for me in the podcast space, I could not find any information regarding planning a trip to Yellowstone. I could not find a podcast with any tips. And I mean, honestly, maybe maybe I overlooked a bunch of stuff, but I searched on Apple. I searched on a few other podcasting apps and I couldn't find anything. So I thought, man, I'm going to put together some tips. So check that out. If you just want some basic tips, this episode is going to be about my experience. I'm going to go through the four days we were there, the animals we saw. I'll also go over some other wildlife tips, maybe things that we would do differently, maybe things that, you know, we maybe go over some things we do differently. So I can't wait to kind of relive my trip. Before we get started, as always, please make sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to the show. We're getting new reviews, which is great on Podchaser. So thank you so much for those reviews. You guys, it just helps it out. If you want to help the show in any way, a review and a rating really does. If you also want to help the show and kind of support us financially, I encourage you to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash animals to the max. You get behind the scenes content regarding what's coming up in the podcast. You also get a behind the scenes look at my crazy life working with animals. And honestly, all the funds just go back to the show and I appreciate it. I mean, I really, really do. So we love our Patreon page. We love our Patreons. Please consider joining if you find that the show is valuable to you. All right, everybody, let's get to it. I am so excited to tell you all about my trip to the Grand Teton National Park and Yellowstone. I have my sparkling water with me. What do I have here? What flavor is this? This is the, oh, raspberry lime. Highly recommend the raspberry lime by Arrowhead, by the way. Anyway, I am so excited to relive this adventure. You know, going to Yellowstone has been just on the bucket list and 
I really don't live far away. So from Yellowstone, from the west entrance, I'm around six hours away, which is just blows my mind that I had never been. So we wanted to go to Yellowstone for sure this year. And we wanted to also hit up Grand Teton National Park, which I am so happy we did. A lot of people actually choose to skip Grand Teton and just do the Yellowstone. And I'm so happy we decided to spend a day in Grand Teton National Park. So let me kind of tell you what we did. We first and foremost, we planned everything. We were going to go for four days and three nights. And we decided to wake up super, super early and drive to the Grand Tetons for that first day. From my house, uh, which is in Marcin, Idaho, to the gates of the Grand Tetons is around seven hours, So, which isn't bad at all. So we got up at a super early, like, I don't know, four or five in the morning. We packed up our sprinter van, my wife and I, and our really good friend, Courtney. I've known Courtney since high school. She used to be my old animal assistant. We decided to invite her and us three. We decided to pack in our van and head out to, you know, for the Grand Tetons in Yellowstone. It was amazing. I'm a huge road trip fan. You know, by the way, I'm a huge audiobook fan as well. We actually listened to the audiobook, The American Serengeti by Dan Flores. I cannot recommend this book enough. And I'm actually working on getting Dan on the podcast. But basically, it's a book about what the American West was like, you know, before we basically took it over and before we eradicated all these top predators, before we switched a lot of the land into agriculture, it's just great. And all the animals he covers are found in these national parks. It was amazing, you know, driving to the Grand Tetons and just listening to him go over the grizzly bear. And what kind of blew my mind, I think, about the grizzly bear, and it blows a lot of people's mind, is this is an animal that was evolved for the prairies, for the open grasslands. They were not an animal that evolved to live up in the mountains. As a matter of fact, it wasn't only until we eradicated them over a hundred years ago that they actually, we pushed them up to the mountains and to where they were more isolated, to where they didn't have any conflicts with humans. Once again, that book is The American Serengeti by Dan Flores. We arrived to Grand Teton National Park with one goal in mind, to see a moose. I don't know what it is about a moose. I just, I've always wanted to see one in the wild. I've seen one, actually our local zoo used to have moose. And I remember when I went to zoo camp as a kid, we fed the moose bananas, which I can't imagine that being great for them, but they loved bananas. And I didn't realize until I grew up how rare it was to even have moose at our local zoo because they're actually, they don't do too well in zoos just across the world. A lot of, a lot of zoos don't have them. So it was super crazy that our zoo had one. You know, that was my only experience with a moose was a captive one. So to see a wild one has always just been at the top of my list. And I did a poll on my Instagram and I found it so interesting that a lot of people want, want to see moose too. I did a poll. I said, would you rather see a moose or would you rather see a bear? And the majority, I mean, it was, it was a pretty close, a pretty close tie, but the majority, uh, wanted to see a moose It out when it out won the bear. They're the largest of the deer family. So a bull can get over a thousand pounds and stand seven to 10 feet at the shoulder. They're just massive. But I think why we're so fascinated with them is, you know, one, because they're just huge. Um, they just look out of the ordinary, right? They're just like, oh my goodness. They look like this horse with these giant antlers. But I think it's because they're solitary. You don't ever see herds of moose. I mean, sometimes you'll see a cow with a calf, but these are solitary animals and they're a lot more elusive than other members of their family, like deer or elk. And 
from what I've read, you know, Moose, I mean, scene one, I mean, you really have a 50-50 shot and you have to be prepared to either get up early or stay on the evening to see one. And after doing research and talking to several people, the Grand Teton National Park was a great place to see a moose. So we literally, I had a mission to see a moose in the Grand Teton National Park and we headed straight for Willow Flats. Willow Flats is a fantastic place to see moose. It is just an open area, open meadow. It's absolutely beautiful. By the way, let me just mention the Grand Tetons are stunning. If there is a beauty contest between Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons, Grand Tetons win hands down. They're beautiful. They're jagged peaks. It's so picturesque. I mean, you guys all know that photo on Instagram where you you see that wooden rail fence and you have this open grassy meadow with this old barn and then you have the Tetons in the back. That's what the Grand Tetons is. I mean, every place you go seems like the perfect spot for a photo op. I mean, it just absolutely gorgeous. I I've, I think I could compare it to the Sawtooth Mountains, which are here in Idaho. It really reminded me of the Sawtooths. They're full of wildlife. And just in that area, that national park is home to grizzly bears, moose, as I mentioned, wolves. There is a herd of bison there, deer, elk, pronghorn. But I was there really just to see a moose. So we headed straight you know, towards Willow Flats. It was funny as we were going in and, you know, checking in or getting, getting our national parks pass. I asked a lady, I said, Hey, have you guys seen any moose? And she said, Oh, the Grand Tetons, we have tons of moose, but she said, you'll be lucky if you see one. And I was like, okay, well, that's great. As you approach Willow Flats, it's just, just a beautiful open area, this meadow full of just beautiful trees. You can just imagine uh, reds and yellows and oranges from the fall colors with the Grand Tetons and just there's areas to explore down in Willow Flats and they have this beautiful overlook where I mean you can only but just imagine a moose just walking through the meadow and of course there were no moose we had to get deeper inside Willow Flats as we were about to go explore Willow Flats we talked to another tourist and the tourist said hey just you know kind of be careful there was a grizzly bear seen around here with four cubs and I was like, wait, what are you talking about? The famous grizzly bear 399. And they were like, I don't know. It's some famous grizzly bear. Just watch out. And of course, we found out later they were talking about grizzly bear 399. She is the oldest grizzly bear in the wild to have cubs. I think she's like 24 or 25 years old. She has four cubs and she is infamous around the Grand Tetons and apparently Willow Flats and she was kind of seen in that in that vicinity so we had to make sure we had our bear spray we had that uh, make sure that was hooked around my belt loop by the way, that's a fun tip. Uh, make sure the bear sprays around your belt loop or at least accessible. If it's in your backpack and you come across a bear, you're just not going to have time to get it. Just a fun little side note. We enjoyed exploring Willow Flats looking for a moose. It just seemed like around every corner there'd be a moose in the meadow or there'd be a moose, you know, near that pond. Moose really like water. They eat a lot of aquatic plants. They love willow and they love to eat aspen. So wherever you see willow and aspen and you see some water, with a nice meadow, you usually see a moose. You also want to make sure in that little meadow area that there's kind of a forest behind there because moose like to have somewhere to escape. They're really secretive animals. From what I've seen from our first moose encounter, which I'll get into, and the other ones that we had after, they don't tolerate vehicles. They don't tolerate tourists. They don't tolerate the noise. And once they're spotted and there's a lot of commotion from vehicles, they usually just bolt and take off and they just melt 
away into the forest, which blows my mind, by the way, this like animal that weighs over a thousand pounds can just melt away, but they really do. I, I literally saw them just disappear. So they're super elusive. So we searched Willow Flats. We couldn't find a darn thing. We were searching there, you know, for I, I think a couple hours. My wife was getting a little concerned because we were kind of going deeper into the forest. She was concerned about the grizzly bear, which you know what? I get like, I mean, I completely get it. A grizzly bear, a mother with cubs it would be a horrible scenario to just walk into. We did see some bear dung. We could tell it was bear dung by the size. And because there were so many berries in the dung, by the way, a great way to see, you know, which dung is whose is to just kind of look what's inside to look in, you know, inside the, the contents of the poop and bears, especially around this time of year, will have a lot of berries in their dung. And here's a fun fact. Did you know one bear can eat up to 100,000 berries in a single day? Let me say that one more time. 100,000 berries in a single day a bear can consume. And they're just preparing for hibernation. They're trying to eat all those calories, trying to build up fat. And berries are one of the uh, one of their favorite, favorite, favorite treats. So they're always eating berries. So we came across some bear dung. Uh, we didn't, you know, really come across any moose, we decided to head back. And it was around evening time. We decided to kind of head back, uh, kind of towards Jackson Lake. So you have Willow Flats. We kind of wanted to edge our way around Jackson Lake. And what's so interesting is before I left for this trip, I, I kind of put out, I asked everyone on my Facebook and, and Instagram, I said, would you rather see a moose or a bear? On Facebook, a lot of people commented. I think I got over like a hundred comments, which is just crazy. And people were giving me moose tips. And one gal gave me a tip and said, you'll see moose at the Jackson Lake Lodge, which overlooks Willow Flats. And we, we passed the Jackson Lake Lodge. Unfortunately, it was closed due to COVID. But interestingly, as we passed the lodge, you guys, I swear to God, on my right-hand side, out in the distance, as I was looking out, searching for moose. By the way, you always have to be searching. Always have to be searching through these national parks. I saw a brownish black dot with what I could see as antlers, very, very briefly, out of the side of my eye. And I said, moose, honey, that's a moose. Baby, turn this van around. That's a moose. And of course she said, Corbin, calm down. It probably wasn't a moose, but okay, I'll turn around. And I swear to God, it took her forever to turn around, by the way, with these sprinter vans, it takes a while. You, you can't just flip a Yui with these vans. So we had to find a road to turn around. And I swear to God, I was like, that's a moose. I'm not seeing anything. That's a moose. And she, we, we finally got to the place where I thought I saw it. She pulled off on the side of the road and we still couldn't see anything. And I said, honey, I swear there's a moose. So she parked the van. She put the flashers on, which is probably the dumbest thing you could have ever done, which we later learned. But we literally, we, we parked the van and to the right, we started kind of walking up this kind of mountain area and then kind of this downward slope. So we had this mountain area and this downward slope. We started walking up towards this area and down the slope. And sure enough, there was a moose my first bull moose encounter. My goodness, it just took my breath away. And I just, it, it, it was just us. It was just my wife and Courtney and I, and we saw this moose and it was just, it was just perfect. And once again, I have to plug my plug my YouTube channel. If you just go into my YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Corbin Maxi, uh, you could search and see the video of my first moose encounter. Literally though, 
in less than 10 minutes because she had put the flashers on the van. It had alerted everybody. I'm talking everybody in the Grand Tetons and their mom was there. In 20 minutes, there was over 100 people watching this moose. I turned around and I thought this gal behind me was my wife. I'm like, hey, babe. I'm like, wait, wait a second. You're not my babe. Like, that's how intense people were. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was it was really weird at first. And it kind of, it, it, it took me aback because I had, I just, it was such an awesome moment seeing this moose. And then when you have a hundred people behind you and everyone's taking photos and, you know, talking and this and that, it, it, it kind of was a little disappointing for me at first. And I'm, that's just my first honest, um, I just, my, my first honest reaction to it was just kind of like, man, darn it. We shouldn't have put the flashers on, but you know, looking back now on that situation is that, you know, we are a tourist too. And because of tourists like us and all these other people who are taking photos of this animal, that's what's keeping this national park alive. Without that, this moose can very well become someone's trophy or its head could be hanging on a wall. So I've come to appreciate the tourists, but it, it just, I think the intensity of how many people came, it was like flies drawn on poop, like how intense the tourists came. And it really just took me back to being in Kenya in the Maasai Mara. I remember my, it was our first day out in safari and my first cheetah encounter is we literally like came across a cheetah in a bush, but it was surrounded by 20 safari vehicles. And I remember thinking, man, this isn't, something just didn't feel right. It was really weird. It's it was just a very odd experience. And I think you would understand, you know, listening, if you've ever experienced it, I feel like you'd understand where I'm coming from. Maybe if you never have, you just have to be there to experience it, but it is kind of an odd feeling, but you, you do, you do get used to it. I was super excited. I found the moose first. I'm sorry. I have to brag. I was so thrilled. I found this moose and we got to check it off the list in the Grand Tetons. The other things we did kind of exploring, by the way, we saw the moose in the evening time. The best time to see moose are going to be in dawn and going to be in dusk. And so that's when we saw the moose and I should note that once all those people came, like once we had over a hundred people and they literally started, I don't want to say chasing the moose, but literally like basically migrating to wherever the moose, you know, moved across the, you know, across the valley, the moose just decided to, he's like, I'm done with this and decided to turn around and he kind of got lost in the brush. After we saw the moose, we decided to explore Jackson Lake and get photos and, you know, just in the evening time and with the Grand Tetons, we were able to check out animal prints. We were trying to decide which prints were whose were who. At first we thought possibly a bear. Then we thought possibly wolves. We saw elk prints. We just saw signs of just tons of wildlife. And that's definitely a tip. Like if you're out in nature, look around. I mean, finding prints or finding grass that has been, you know, where large animals have laid down, like it all tells a story. And we even saw, we saw tons of prints. I'm convinced there were wolf prints and we saw elk hoof marks like in the mud. And it looked like there had been some type of a struggle. And it's so fascinating because it's like, what happened here days earlier? What happened? It's just, that's what is so fascinating about visiting these places that are just still wild. We ended our Grand Teton adventure by going back to Willow Flats. And by that time, after we had turned around and passed the lake, we went back to Willow Flats and we saw elk in the distance and the sun was setting. We saw the biggest bull elk I've ever seen. I don't even know how many points it had on its antlers, but so many points. And 
it was just beautiful. It was just breathtaking. The sky was pink. The Tetons were beautiful with their jaggedness. Is that a word? Jaggedness? Well, I'm going to use it. The open meadow. It was just beautiful. It was a great way to end the day in Grand Teton National Park. So we decided to stay in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, because we were just, you know, in the Grand Tetons. And so we decided to stay at a KOA. I had never stayed in a KOA ever. My wife said she used to stay in them when she was a kid with her family. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. It, it wasn't that bad. We had our own little private cabin. I mean, these are very, very simple, simple, simple cabins. We, we, we traveled on a budget, which we do. You guys, <laughs> funds are tight. And by the way, I take care of over 30 different animals. So I, as you can imagine, we don't have a bunch of extra funds to be spending on luxurious cabins. So, you know, this cabin was great. There was a shared bathroom, which uh, I don't know, which I guess wasn't too bad. But I mean, I have to let you know that it was a little weird, like having to walk to the bathroom, especially at like two o'clock in the morning. It's pitch black. It's 30 degrees. It was funny outside, outside these bathroom stalls, they had this statue of a bear and I swear to God, it scared me so many times. I'd always forget there was a bear and then be like, Oh wait, crap, there's a bear. KOA was great. I would highly recommend it. I think we only spent like a hundred dollars. It's, you know, can sleep up to six people and you just bring your own linens. Just expect to share a bathroom. Another reason why we didn't want to spend a bunch on a hotel is because we were only going to be sleeping inside that room for, I don't know, five, six hours. I mean, we got up super, super early. I think we set our alarms for 4 a.m. We had just gotten a few hours of sleep, but you have to do this. At these national parks, you have to do this because that's when animals are most active and you want to see them. You want to try to hit sunrise. So we were up super early. I think we left our KOA at like five in the morning, got some hot coffees, which by the way, coffee, that, that's the only other thing I also have to complain about the KOA. The cabin we stayed in had no coffee. I don't know about you. I have to have my coffee. I go through, oh, this is going to sound bad, but probably like eight to 10 cups a day. Is that bad? I, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's a little extreme, but I love coffee. So anyway, we uh, got our coffee at a local gas station and headed towards Yellowstone National Park. Now to give you an idea, Grand Teton National Park is south of Yellowstone and it's all considered the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. So you have Yellowstone on top and then Grand Teton National Park on the bottom. So to get to Yellowstone, we had to drive back through Grand Teton National Park and along the way at 7 a.m., guess what I saw on the side of my eye on the road? I saw a moose. I saw a cow moose. And once again, we were driving the van, so it's hard to completely turn around. By the time we had turned around to try to go back and see her, she literally had just disappeared. That's what just blows my mind. These the huge animals just disappear. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to capture it on video. And I have to say, I think this is kind of when I realized, and this was kind of hard for me because you guys, I mean, honestly, in my heart, in my soul, I am a creator. I love creating content. I love filming videos. I love getting excited about animals. I love sharing information. I love taking you as the viewer or you as the listener with me. So with every animal, I just, God, I wish I had... I was able to capture every single thing, but I just, I literally couldn't. And with that moose, it was like, okay, Corbin, relax, calm down. You need to realize like you're not going to be able to capture everything. You need to just live in the moment. And that was a really good lesson for me because 
we saw a lot of other animals and I just, ah, oh, it would have been so perfect to get on camera, but sometimes the encounters were just way too quick and it was better to just live in the moment. And by the way, I do want to say that I was off the grid, off the social media for four days during my whole trip. It was amazing. I would 100% highly, highly, highly recommend doing this with any vacation. Get off the grid, even delete the apps. I was thinking about deleting some of my apps, but I ended up just turning off the notifications. But it was phenomenal to just not have to, I don't know, be occupied with posting on an Instagram story or a Facebook or trying to post these updates on Twitter. And it's not that I don't like social media. I love social media, but I think it is so healthy to take a break. And all I had equipped with me was my vlog camera. And that's what I did because I knew when I would come back, I would put my YouTube videos together. So I'd highly recommend doing that. Yeah, once again, driving up uh, through the Grand Tetons towards Yellowstone, we were able to see a moose. We were on the search for a bear. We were driving through bear country and I'm looking at my map here. It is the John D. Rockefeller Junior Memorial Parkway. And that is what you take up to the Yellowstone National Park. It is supposedly excellent grizzly bear habitat. And, you know, I searched and searched and searched. We couldn't find a darn thing. But once again, that's an excuse to kind of come back to the Grand Tetons, right? I don't know. It was just beautiful. My first experience going into Yellowstone, oh, you guys, it was just beautiful. It was, you know, as we drove in, it was a crisp morning. We came in the southern entrance. And the south entrance is actually the least visited entrance of the park. And it's just beautiful. I mean, as we saw the sign, we stopped, we like stepped out. I could smell that crisp morning air. There was a river flowing. You could see one of the steaming geothermal features out in the distance. I just, you guys, it, it was just stunning. You know, uh, driftwood along the river, trees. It just, it was just Yellowstone. It was just like, oh my goodness, we have finally arrived. And it was absolutely breathtaking. As I mentioned, a lot of people don't go to the southern entrance, but it's a great place. It's not as busy, and you do see a lot of animals. Matter of fact, you see a lot of moose in the southern area near the southern entrance. And moose are more, um, they're actually more common in Grand Teton National Park and the southern Yellowstone Park. So that would make sense. They kind of migrate up there. I have to say my favorite part about these parks is you're literally in your vehicle all day and you're just searching. It is like this fun game of cat and mouse almost. It's like trying to find that next wildlife sighting and it gets, it's so exciting when you spot something far off in the distance or when you see cars stopped ahead, you know, oh my goodness, this right here is going to be a wildlife sighting. I mean, you just, and you don't know what it is. You get excited. You get your binoculars ready. You just, you feel that adrenaline. And that is something that I honestly haven't really experienced since I was in Africa. And I think that's why I loved this trip so much and why I love Yellowstone so much. Cause it just brought me back to being in the Maasai Mara looking for lions and leopards. And it was just, it was just incredible. So we basically, for Yellowstone, for that day, we decided to kind of make our way through the park kind of towards Hayden Valley, which is in the center of the park. And if you had listened to my earlier episode, episode 144 with my Yellowstone tips, you'll know that Hayden Valley is one of the best places to view wildlife. And so 
We made our way, you know, to Hayden Valley. We stopped at a few thermal features along the way. As a matter of fact, I should probably, you know what? I'm going to put my Grand Teton map away and I'm just going to open up my Yellowstone map. That would make sense, right? Hello, Corbin. Oh, Yellowstone, I miss you. Okay, at least I'm reliving it with you guys. Okay, so we basically made our way up to the southern entrance and we wanted to kind of go towards the Hayden Valley. Hayden Valley is near the center of the park and that is where you can find a lot of grizzly bears, where you can find a lot of bison and a lot of wolves along the way. I would highly recommend stopping at the mud volcanoes. The mud volcanoes were really cool. They were just a series of geothermal features. Yellowstone has over 10,000 types of these geothermal features. And it was great. I mean, scolding hot water. You have these volcanoes. I mean, these old volcanoes. It just, it was amazing. I'm not going to lie. I was there for the wildlife. So definitely stop. I encourage you to you know, walk around the mud volcano, which is what we did. We got our photos. One of the really cool volcanoes they have there, one of their really cool geothermal features is called Dragon's Breath, which is really cool. It's like this cave that constantly blows out this hot, hot steam, and it seriously sounds like a dragon is breathing. I thought that was kind of cool. So highly recommend the mud volcanoes. It smells uh, very, very bad just to prepare you kind of like sulfur or like someone farted in a porta potty. So just be prepared for that hot stench. But I don't know, I'm kind of used to it. On our property in Marsing, we have naturally heated water and we're near a hot spring. So I'm used to that sulfur, but I remember I saw some tourists literally gagging out of their vehicles like, Bleh! like, huh? what does that smell? And it's like, don't worry, that's just sulfur. Okay, so we made it through Hayden Valley after our mud volcano experience. By the way, check out all of this on my YouTube channel to give you a visual. Hayden Valley was just beautiful. As you can imagine, a big, big open valley, you know, rolling hills, you know, it's tree-lined, several trees, and we saw something super, super far up in the distance, and first we thought it was a grizzly bear, and we thought, no, it's not a grizzly. We stopped, we got our binoculars out, it was our first bison. And it's so funny, like, you know, once again, this was one of the animals that was so far away. I was like, I'm not even going to zoom in on my camera. It's not even worth it. But it was so cool to see that bison off in the distance. And it's funny looking back because, you know, we were at Yellowstone for a few days and we saw so many bison. But I feel like that one, your first bison is always memorable and you, you always get so excited. You try to get photos. They don't turn out. We noticed, though, up ahead, there was a traffic jam. And when there's a traffic jam in Yellowstone, this either means one fantastic wildlife sighting or a car is broken down. More than likely, it's usually a fantastic wildlife sighting. When there's a lot of vehicles, it's either bears or wolves. And we were literally at this standstill. And I just remember, I was like, what in the world is going on? We were going through Hayden Valley along the Yellowstone River, and we're just at this standstill. And people are parking their cars on the side of the road. They are rushing. Like, I'm talking like rushing around like they're going to an amusement park ride with their cameras and their popcorn flying. Like, I'm talking like getting so excited. I remember asking this guy, I rolled down my window and said, Hey, what's going on? And he said, grizzly bear. And that's when I was like, no way there's a grizzly bear. Ah, oh my gosh. Like what? And he said, there's a grizzly bear just out in the open. And 
You guys, I could not be more excited. I was actually driving. And so we inched our way around this river bend. And sure enough, to our right across the river is this massive boar or male grizzly bear on this elk carcass. And it was so much was going on. There were so many people camped out on the side of the road, people with their folding chairs, their giant paparazzi like cameras. You have rangers trying to wave you along. You have cars stopping, people hopping out of vehicles in and out. The rangers are trying to keep traffic flowing, which is super smart. I was driving, so I told my wife, hey, babe, just like hop out of the car, get a spot. I'll try to turn around. And it, oh, you guys, it was hard not to, <laughs> it was hard to pay attention to the road. I mean, it is so hard to pay attention to the road when you have a grizzly bear on your right with an elk carcass and you have to pay attention to this ranger and you're not allowed to stop. And it honestly gets a little frustrating, but I'm so happy there are rangers there, you know, not only for the safety uh, for us, but of the animal to keep vehicles flowing. Because honestly, if there wasn't a ranger there, this, I mean, the cars would have just stopped. It would have been a pile up and people would have sat there and got their photos on top of their vehicles, blah, 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 blah. So I'm happy a ranger was there. I finally had a chance to turn around. It took like 25 minutes just to turn around. I found a parking space in Hayden Valley and walked and there it was just this massive grizzly bear just sunning himself right next to this giant bull elk and there's ravens around and I just you guys the experience just gives me chills it just I can't believe this is still happening in the wild and I know that sounds crazy but it's just it's so amazing that Yellowstone is one of the only still intact ecosystems in the world. With how busy our world is, with how technology, with this craziness of the coronavirus, with people going a million miles a minute, and there's so much going on in the world, and yet we still have a grizzly bear who's sitting on the side of the bank right now with an elk sunning himself, and fat is and happy as can be. I just, I was so cool. I tried to get some videos, but once again, they are so darn fuzzy that it just doesn't really turn out much in the vlog. My wife was able to get a fantastic photo, which I will include. You can check that out on my YouTube channel as well, but it was just one of those experiences. We later found out that that bear has a name. His name is 791, and if you're wondering, well, why are they called 791, and why was that one bear 399? That's just the number of researchers who are who are tallying, I can't, tallying the bears. And so 799 is the 700th and, or excuse me, 791 is the 791th grizzly bear that these researchers have, I guess, documented in that area. Yellowstone is home to around 700 grizzly bears in the ecosystem, which it seems like a lot, but the park is 2.2 million acres. The park is huge. So there really isn't, you know, only 700 bears. It doesn't seem like a lot, although these bears have large, large territories. I mean, you know, a, a large grizzly bear can have a territory of over a thousand square miles. So large animals. These bears require a lot of space. 791 is supposed to be one of the largest bears in Yellowstone, if not the largest. He is 800 pounds, and he took down this bull elk. My first thought was, how did this happen? Did he steal this from wolves during the night? 
did, you know, because bears will often do this. They will scavenge from wolves. I did not think that this grizzly bear had the strength and the stamina to run down and kill a full-grown bull elk. Well, as we later got back to our camp and we had talked to the people at the KOA, it turns out that this bear did, in fact, kill this bull elk. And it's actually on YouTube. Yeah. I watched the video of this bear killing this bull elk in the Yellowstone River at least three or four times. It was so raw and it just, oh my goodness, just, it, it's so primitive. I, 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 you guys, I'll put the link in the show notes. It will be disturbing to some people. This elk does die. The elk actually drowns in the river. But the fact they caught this on film is just incredible. So it turns out we later found out that the elk had a broken leg from fighting with another bull elk. So the elk are currently in rut and they're fighting for those cows and trying to assert their dominance, trying to show off, trying to assert their fitness to try to breed with cows, the female elk. And they fight other bulls and it can be dangerous. And unfortunately, this bull had one bad day. Oh my goodness. I mean, imagine losing a fight. Imagine, you know, breaking your leg and then being chased and killed by a grizzly bear. It's just, just horrible. This guy had a horrible, horrible, horrible death. But once again, this is a circle of life and that elk provided, you know, nourishment to not only the grizzly bear to sustain 791 through hibernation, but provided food for other animals, including scavengers like ravens, coyotes, wolves were also seen at this kill. So it really provided a bunch of food in that ecosystem. We found out that 791 had killed this elk four days prior, and he had not left that kill in four days. It's very, very rare for a full-grown grizzly to kill a full-grown bull elk. It's very rare in Yellowstone for it to literally happen right across the river from a busy road. I mean, right where people can stop and take photos. I mean, this stuff happens, but usually, you know, far off in the distance. I mean, this happened right in the Yellowstone River, and he hauled the elk right on the bank of the river, right across from the road. So tourists from all over were flocking to Yellowstone. All around the country, people were talking about this bear. The news made USA Today. It just made national news of this bear and how he was defending his kill from wolves and he wouldn't even let ravens touch it. And the fact that we just stumbled upon this traffic jam and it turned out to be one of the most famous scenes in Yellowstone, I mean, of this time was just incredible. It was, uh, I'm just looking back. I wish I could go back now. I'm sure the kill is, I mean, he, he buried a portion of the elk with mud, tried to cover up with dirt, debris, mud to kind of hide the scent to conceal it. So it doesn't attract other predators. I'd love to go back. And that, and by the way, that's another piece of advice. If you go to Yellowstone, try to find a carcass because there will be action. If you want to go see predators, try to find a carcass because you will see predator interactions. You will see bears. You will see wolves. We had talked to some people later on in our trip who actually saw a black wolf and the bear and they were together, pictured together. And this wolf was trying to take some of that elk. And so a carcass, you can almost guarantee an awesome predator sighting. We spent the remaining day, we spent the rest of the day just searching the parks, driving up towards the northern part of the parks, towards Mammoth Hot Springs, and 
this is this is my favorite part of Yellowstone. Literally just driving and keeping an eye out, looking for wildlife. It's my favorite. Mammoth Hot Springs was great. We were able to check out some of those amazing hot springs and features. A I guess a side note or a tip is to make sure you stay on the path. People every year get off the path and actually sometimes fall into these hot springs. And they're over like a thousand degrees. I mean, you guys, you will be boiled alive. And they have people who get scalded. It's people who even die who fall through these features. Stay on the path. And I, I also have to say that Yellowstone is wild. I mean, animals can kill you. And the hot springs can kill you. And you just need, I mean, you're out on your own. There's signs everywhere. And I feel like... I just because of today's day and age, you get people who go into this this old ecosystem where things are intact and you kind of forget that, oh, wait, these are wild animals. Oh, wait, I could actually die. And you know, that's something to kind of keep in mind. We uh, initially saw more bison. And of course, bison are always are just amazing roadblocks. You know, they block traffic and they walk on the side of the vehicles saw a lot of dumb people trying to get out of their vehicles and get photos with bison bison are more dangerous than bears and wolves and they kill more people than bears they gore people they have these giant horns they can weigh they're like a few thousand pounds these are massive massive animals and a lot of them had calves and they're going to be aggressive and they're also during rut. So the males are super aggressive. They're fighting other males. So why in God's name you would want to get out of your vehicle? I have no idea. By the way, you know, bison are one of the greatest conservation success stories. I mean, there used to be over 60 million bison roaming the Great Plains and roaming the just roaming the West. And we eradicated them and we literally almost drove them to extinction. There were only 24 individuals left. Let me say that one more time. Only 24 individuals left in Yellowstone National Park. And all the bison now are descendants from that initial small herd with the help of several organizations, including the Bronx Zoo actually was a big one. The Bronx Zoo started like the first captive breeding program or one of the first with bison and they literally saved it from the brink of extinction. So to see these animals and to think, oh my goodness, like I can't believe there used to be 60 million of you. And now, I mean, now there's only a few thousand. In Yellowstone, there's around 4,500 bison. They like to keep that number lower around three to 4,000. They actually... I find this really disgusting, but they cull bison every year, I believe. They started in 2018 where they kill 500 to 1,000 bison every year. And they kill a lot of the ones or cull them, the ones that venture outside the park, because the lands around Yellowstone, like the resources just cannot sustain a massive herd. And the grizzly bears and the wolves, they take their toll on the bison, but they don't take enough of a toll and there has to be some type of a population management. I don't know. I don't, I don't like that. They call bison in a national park. You know, these bison were taking photos of, I don't think half the people know they actually call some of them. I understand though, for proper wildlife management, they have to because Yellowstone is, is just limited on resources. And with so many bison, they have to keep that population in check. So I get why they have to do it. I, you know, wish they could relocate them somewhere. I think they've tried to relocate them to some other parks 
and that has been successful, but the ones they do cold, they do donate the meat to local Indian reservations. So I guess the meat isn't getting wasted. I just went on a tangent there. So sorry guys, kind of a sad fact about the bison, but it is a healthy herd. I would have to say driving up to Mammoth Hot Springs was breathtaking. The scenery changes so much in Yellowstone. You have open meadows, then you have tall peaks, then you are driving around cliffs, and then you're in thick forests. I mean, it is just beautiful. Then, you know, you're surrounded by these geothermal features and hot springs. It's just gorgeous. So I really would recommend getting out and doing, you know, Mammoth Hot Springs. It was beautiful. Take your photos. It's just an awesome area. You can actually overlook at Mammoth Hot Springs. You can overlook Mammoth, the town of Mammoth, and that's actually where the army used to live for many, many years who would actually stay and protect the park. There's so much history in that northern part of Yellowstone National Park. After we hit Mammoth Hot Springs, we decided to head back to our KOA, which is actually in West Yellowstone. So we had to kind of go down and hit up West Yellowstone. I uh, honestly, the girls wanted to get some food, some dinner at a restaurant. The first night that we stayed out in Jackson Hole, we actually got back so late that nothing was open and we ended up eating, I don't know, soggy sandwiches for dinner. So I get it. Like they wanted to have something hot to eat in West Yellowstone. So we decided to head back towards that way and we actually got to our KOA during the daytime. So that was our, the, the only time we actually went back and didn't stay till dusk. Honestly, if it was up to me, you guys, I would have stayed till dusk. I wish I could have just stayed into the park, to be honest with you. Went to West Yellowstone. Uh, I can't, ugh, I don't know how to say this. I can't brag too much about West Yellowstone. It's a tourist town. You can tell that I'm out of all the entrances, because we were able to visit all the entrances, it is the busiest entrance, the West Yellowstone. It is, the town is just, it's like Yellowstone souvenirs threw up on it. So there's tons of shops you can get. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I think we spent, we spent like over a hundred dollars on souvenirs, by the way, which I need to find those. But, uh, yeah, we, yeah, tons of souvenirs there, uh, you know, restaurants there uh, just, I, I'm not going to name the particular restaurant, but a lot of the restaurants are super pricey. Uh, food is meh. Okay. I don't know. Maybe send me your West Yellowstone restaurant recommendations. I mean, I guess they're not known for the best food, but I wouldn't have high expectations. That's all I'm saying. And I think, you know what? Let me get into this really quick. I think I'm a little bitter because we actually went out to eat in West Yellowstone. I was kind of, I don't know. I just, I, I really didn't want to eat there. We, it, it was over like an hour and a half wait for food, which I think is just crazy. But I understand it was dinner time. We got there. I ordered a sandwich and the server was just so rude. And I said, hey, I, you know, I'm like, hey, um, can I get the sandwich without onions and tomatoes or whatever? And he said, oh, you could just pick those off yourself. We don't do that here. He just was so rude. And I just was like, ah, oh, you suck. So server was rude, didn't ask us what to drink. I just realized this is an animal podcast and you probably don't care that I don't like onions, but kind of a weird taste in my mouth with West Yellowstone. We stayed at a KOA in West Yellowstone. You know, once again, it was great, great value. Bring flip-flops if you have to shower. All right, the next day we decided to head to Lamar Valley. This is the wolf-watching capital of the world and it's actually located in the northeastern part of the park, so near the northeast entrance. And we were actually staying, as I mentioned earlier, at the west entrance. So 
we had about a two-hour journey in the middle of the dark. I mean, in the early morning, getting to Lamar Valley. If I were to do it again, I would not stay in the West Entrance whatsoever. Once again, West Entrance is the most popular entrance, and that's where you can easily get to Old Faithful. It's, you know, where all the tourists go. Next time we go to Yellowstone, I really want to stay in the Northeast Entrance uh, near Gardner, Montana. I really enjoyed that. So anyway, kind of, um, I guess, some advice if you wanted to go see wolves or other wildlife. Lamar Valley is where it's at it is number one for the wildlife watching and it's like I said pretty far away from a lot of other things and what's actually interesting and I actually encourage you to do this is make sure you go to the National Parks website to the official Yellowstone National Park website and look at road closures we actually had a main road closure um, from the Canyon Village all the way up through uh, the Tower Roosevelt area, which if you don't have a map, that means nothing to you. But basically, that meant that we had to go all the way around the park and it added on an additional hour and a half just to get to Lamar Valley. So word of advice, just kind of check prior. They The roads were closed. It, it wasn't because of snow. I actually have no idea why they closed the roads, but it sure put a... It threw a winch in our travel itinerary. So... Next time we go, that's something I would do is check that. But we headed to Lamar Valley, woke up super early. I think we were out. I think we got up at like four in the morning. We were out by like 5 a.m. heading to Lamar Valley. And, you know, Yellowstone in the morning is probably one of my favorite times. It's a great time to see wildlife. Um, if you did listen to my earlier episode, you'll know that you know, you really need to be careful and drive slow at night. I believe the speed limit is 45 at night. I would even go slower because we saw elk in the road. We have bison in the road. Someone ahead of us had hit a coyote. I mean, this is like a national park and people are like speeding like crazy. So make sure for the wildlife sake, just kind of relax and make sure, you know, you go 45 miles an hour because animals jump out, they pop out. So heading into Lamar Valley, we had tons of wildlife sightings, including elk. We saw elk in the town of Mammoth and the big bull elk. They're going through rut right now, so they're bugling. It's just incredible. We got some great footage, some great photos. We had a bison just blocking the middle of the road, you know, walking down this bridge. It was incredible. I encourage you to check out my YouTube video to check out that but you know it was really really neat and kind of what shocked me about the bison is you always see them in herds or you always think of them as a herd animal but I saw several males almost like bachelor males just by themselves which I thought was kind of fascinating but we saw several of those and I'm not sure if this really applies but in Africa when you're walking around which you're only allowed to walk around certain areas they always say a lone buffalo is more dangerous than a buffalo in a herd and bison and buffalo are different animals by the way and I guess the difference between bison and buffalo is they're in the same family bovidae but they're actually not closely related bison are found here in North America and in Europe and they're shaggy have shaggy coats they also have kind of shorter horns and more smushed in faces and that's kind of how you tell the difference buffalo are found in Africa and Asia sorry tangent right there because everyone in Yellowstone's like, oh, look at the buffalo. And I just want to yell out, they're not buffalo, they're bison. Anyways, I'm sure that must apply to coming across a lone bison. I feel like if you came across a lone male, it might be a little more dangerous than coming across an actual herd. Although I'm not sure how good it would be to come across a cow and her calf 
Anyway, side note, I wouldn't want to be walking around coming across a bison. Stay in your vehicle. That is my that's my uh, that's my takeaway here. So as we went through Lamar Valley, once again, we saw elk. We saw bison. We were edging through Lamar Valley. And to our right in this picnic area, we saw a black bear. And it was so close. This was the closest bear we saw. It probably was only like 40 feet from our vehicle. And it was just going around the picnic site, you know, eating the morsels. And once more vehicles stopped and saw him, he kind of took off towards this trail. And it's so funny. I have a video of him walking along the trail. And there's a sign that says, you're in bear country, beware. And it's so crazy just how this park is just still so wild. And, you know, you go hiking in the park and we went through, you know, we went on several hikes and, you know, you see the signs and stuff and you carry your bear spray. But it's just crazy when you actually see a bear right out there in broad daylight, just walking around the trail. And uh, it was just incredible. Black bears are great. This was a big black bear. I don't know. I, I couldn't really tell if it was a male or a female, but this was a really, really big bear. And you know, once vehicles got word of it, of course, everyone stops in the side, everyone gets out to try to take photos and, you know, uh, just kind of try to get videos. I, I think when I go back to Yellowstone, I'm definitely going to have to invest in a better camera. I have a vlog camera, which is great for vlogs, but when you're trying to zoom in, it's not a camera really meant for that. So I think my buddy Elias is going to hook me up and either let me borrow or have, maybe he'll let me have it, uh, one of his nice, uh, nicer cameras to get kind of those zoomed in shots. But we were able to capture the black bear because it was so close. An interesting thing is black bears are going to be kind of more in the forested areas. Grizzly bears are going to be more out in the open meadows, the open prairies. They will be found deep in the forest, but the black bears, what's so crazy, had to evolve because they have to really watch out for grizzly bears. They're competitors, they're bigger, and grizzly bears will kill other predators. Just It's just competition. So the black bears, black, the black bears, the black bears evolved to be more in the forest, they're more arboreal, they can climb trees. So that is kind of where we saw them. We saw grizzly bears more in open meadow areas, open areas, which makes sense because as we learned, grizzly bears originally were open plains animals. They never were meant to be in the forest until humans actually persecuted them so much we pushed them up there for safety. Okay, so we saw the black bear and the sun was already rising basically. So we were a little late, but as we went down the road and inched our way into Lamar Valley around the Lamar River, it's just breathtaking. Just open areas, beautiful forest off in the distance. And the Lamar River is just etching right through this open valley. And it's no wonder this is the wolf watching capital of the world. Once we hit Lamar Valley, in less than five minutes, we saw up in the distance at least, uh, I don't know, 60, 70 cars all parked along the side. And as we got closer, you could see everybody with their binoculars, their, you know, giant telescopes, their cameras. I mean, people, you'll see shirts with wolf watching tours. You'll see magnets on vehicles like wolf watchers. And we had stumbled across our first wolves. And... I'm not going to lie. We were a little late to the game because we were two hours away and we stayed in the West entrance. We were late to the game to get to the wolves and it almost kind of felt like we were late to the party. Everyone had already gotten the photos. Everyone. Can you guys hear my wolf right now? Zoe, what's going on? Is the Amazon guy here? Hold on. Let me go control my wolf really quick. Sorry, folks. That was the Amazon guy. I think this was his probably fifth time here today. 
I don't even know what my wife is ordering. We just have all these boxes arriving. All right, this episode should be sponsored by Amazon Prime or my dog Zoe. Okay, so what I was saying is when we arrived to the Wolves, it was around 8.30 or so. I almost felt late to the party, late to the game. Everyone had already captured their photos. There were two Wolves out in the distance. And when I say out in the distance, I mean out in the distance. They were far far away so far away that even with my binoculars they look like these tiny tiny little fuzzy dots so my first wolf encounter I mean it was so far away and I hadn't I guess when I thought of seeing wolves in Yellowstone I mean I didn't think they'd be right up next to the vehicle I thought they'd be closer though I mean I'm talking like far away like the valley like I don't even know I mean at least I don't even know to calculate distance, but I would say a good mile or so away, if not more. They were just so far and I could barely see them. So my first wolf encounter was kind of meh, like we saw them. My wife couldn't even pick them out out of her binoculars. That's how far away they were. We drove up the road around the Lamar, you know, river around the valley. We came across a second just cluster of vehicles. I mean, this is when you know a large predator is found and there was another wolf there was a gray wolf and then a black wolf and by the way gray wolves and black wolf they are all the same they're gray wolves the black ones are just a melanistic version a genetic mutation basically so the black ones kind of similar to black panthers so um, i took out my binoculars we saw a gray one and a black one and then off in the distance near them we saw a grizzly bear and a cub and that was incredible but once again it was so far away. I mean, super far away. I didn't even try to film it with my vlog camera. It was just like, yep, yeah, whatever. I mean, they're off there in the distance. It was incredible. But once it hit 9, 9.30, the wolves kind of retreated into the forest. And we decided to kind of etch our way along the Lamar River and head our way towards the northeast entrance just to try to find other wildlife along the way. We talked to some people who had just seen a bull moose with two cows in the meadow. We missed them by like five minutes. And once again, I feel like when moose are spotted, they just, they usually take off. I feel like they don't just hang around unless you're lucky and they feel comfortable. But once people start, you know, parking and getting out their cameras and being like, oh my gosh, there's a moose, the moose just take off. Along our way along the Lamar River in um, Lamar Valley area, we stopped. We saw these magnificent cliffs and we saw people pretty much with these binoculars and these telescopes that looked like these high definition binoculars, whatever they're called. And we asked, you know, we, we stopped and we figured they were either looking at bighorn sheep or mountain goats. And it turns out they were looking at mountain goats and they were so nice and let us look through their lenses because they had a, had them basically set up and they were pointing right in the direction. And we were able to see these white little dots, which were mountain goats. And I was thinking to myself, man, out of all the animals in Yellowstone, if I didn't like people, I feel like being a mountain goat would be the best because they are so far away in the distance, like these tiny little dots. They probably don't even know humans are actually watching them. Anyway, mountain goats were great and people are generally, gen genuinely, wait, generally, generally will usually um, let you look through their lens if you're respectful and also, you know, if you kind of give them their space, they'll stand six feet away just due to the coronavirus. They'll usually let you look through their lens. People are usually pretty nice to let you, you know, check out what they're seeing, but the mountain goats were great. 
because Lamar is such an amazing place to see wildlife, we decided just to stay in that area. I mean, I love that area. So we just literally went up and down the Lamar River and just tried to find wildlife. I think one of my best memories is after we reached the northeast entrance, we decided just to turn around and go back to where we saw the wolves in the morning. And we went out to this point. We saw a few cars parked, but the majority of the wolf watchers had left. So we knew that the wolves were gone. The wolves had retreated into the forest. We stopped and it was the first time we just stopped and took out the binoculars and just started checking out the valley. And long behold, in the binoculars, we saw a lone grizzly bear just walking along the Lamar Valley. And it looked like the bear was on a mission. And for over an hour and a half, my wife and I and our friend Courtney, we just had the binoculars and we just watched this bear. And it was so cool. I mean, I know it was far away. There was no point to get a vlog, but it was so cool to just watch this wild grizzly bear just walking around, hanging out. We saw him kind of go down to the Lamar River, and then he started going at a really fast pace. I mean, I'm talking like he was on a mission, like this bear had smelled something. He got wind of something. I mean, bears have an excellent, excellent sense of smell, like 10 times better than the dogs. It's just it's just crazy. So he just started going somewhere with purpose and running. And folks, grizzly bears can go 30 to 35 miles an hour. They look big. They look bulky. They can weigh 700 to 800 pounds. But I'm telling you what, this bear sprinted across the valley. And it was amazing to see to the point where we almost lost him. So we actually decided to move our vehicle and kind of go figure out what he was doing. We moved our vehicle and we went out to this other lookout point and we found the grizzly bear along the Lamar River. And guess what? The grizzly bear had found a kill that the wolves had killed that morning. So, or that night. So the wolves had killed, and this is through the grapevine, by the way, Everyone on Yellowstone, we all, it's like always through the grapevine and everyone shares, you know, wildlife information and sightings, etc. We found out through the Yellowstone grapevine that the wolves had killed a pronghorn antelope that night and they killed it along the river. The wolves have retreated into the forest and the grizzly bear now had taken the kill from the wolves. No one was there. The wolves were gone. And grizzly bears will often do this. They'll scavenge from wolves. But we literally sat there and watched this bear eat this pronghorn on the bank of the Lamar River. We saw other scavengers, including ravens, which are amazing. Ravens, by the way, get such a bad rap, but these big black birds you see, they follow grizzly bears. They follow wolves around. They're like nature's cleanup crew, but they're so smart. I mean, they... Some scientists think they're more intelligent than primates. They can talk. They use tools. They, you know, recognize individuals. They, yeah, it just blows my mind. I love, I love talking about crows and ravens, which are different birds, by the way. Ravens were there. We also saw two bald eagles around the bear. We had a coyote come in. It was, you guys, it was just incredible. It was just, it almost was one of those moments where I just had to pinch myself and think, I just cannot believe I'm watching a grizzly bear eat a pronghorn carcass. We have bald eagles. It's like along the river. It's so picturesque. I can't believe this is happening. It was amazing. We watched that scene for a couple hours and we decided to head along Lamar Valley. We decided to leave that spot and see if we could find any other wildlife. We saw, of course, tons and tons of bison. We decided in the late afternoon to actually kind of get out of the vehicle and hike, obviously not near the bear or anywhere. We actually went 
way up the road towards this place called Petrified Tree, which I would highly, highly recommend. It was amazing. Petrified Tree, by the way, is one of the old redwoods that used to grow in Yellowstone. Redwoods, they don't grow in Yellowstone anymore, but they did thousands of years ago. And this one petrified tree is a petrified redwood. And they actually have, they have, they actually have a fence around it because unfortunately they had four other trees, but collectors came in years ago to try to steal the other tree. So this is the last remaining petrified tree. But you know, petrified tree is great, but to the right of petrified tree, you could take this little trail and it leads down to this place called Lost Lake. And it was so much fun. It was a few miles back. It was just us, just my wife and I and our friend Courtney. We saw amazing wildlife. We saw a coyote hunting voles and other small rodents in this long grass. We came across this beautiful lake around the bend where no one was. And full of green lily pads and it was so picturesque I almost was like okay where's the moose come on moose where are you no moose but it was just oh it was amazing I'd recommend doing that I'd recommend taking a trail getting out of your vehicle for just a portion of the day to move your legs and get a little exercise get those endorphins going and that was probably one of my best memories just hanging out there in the backcountry in the Lamar area Okay, so once we were done with our hike, we decided to go back to the kill, to where the grizzly bear was. Because as I mentioned earlier, when there's a carcass, you guys, action's going to happen. Action's going to happen. So we parked our vehicle. We knew where to go. We decided to walk kind of closer from a safe distance, but walk closer to try to get a better view of the grizzly bear and this carcass. And you guys, we were still like, several yards at least I would say like 700 yards away if not 800 yards away we were still pretty far away and we decided to go with our binoculars our vlog cameras and you guys it was incredible we sat there and we watched the grizzly bear who was still there and off in the distance we saw a lone black wolf and it was coming in closer to the grizzly bear it was way closer than our previous wolves and at that moment it was like okay I finally have seen a wolf. I was so excited. And we sat and watched this scene of this lone wolf. He came up to the grizzly bear, you know, trying to get a bite of that carcass. The bear, of course, kind of raised up and kind of hunched up. And the wolf kind of took off down the river and did his own thing. And you guys, it was incredible. It was in the evening. The sun was setting. It was just my wife and I, our friend Courtney, and we had a few other people. But the majority of the people from the road could not see us. They couldn't see what we were looking at. So they literally... We almost had this scene to ourselves. Maybe there was a handful of other people. We looked out in the distance near the forest edge in the valley and we saw three other black wolves come in towards the grizzly bear. We had coyotes. It was such an amazing scene. I can't even put it into words. And I tried filming a little bit of it and, you know, we tried taking a photo. My wife got a pretty good photo of the bear and I guess as good a photo as she could have gotten with her camera of the bear, the coyote and the wolves, and it just, and the birds. It was such an amazing experience, and this was one of the best wildlife encounters I've ever had, hands down. I mean, this is right up there with Africa, and we sat there for hours, and just, you know, until the sun literally went down, until it was pitch black, we were there watching the bear, the wolves. The wolves ended up going in the river and catching fish, which is crazy. They were catching trout out of the Lamar River, and at first I thought, no way, these guys aren't catching fish. Sure enough, they were catching fish. We saw it happen twice. And the fish were moving through the binoculars, so they weren't just scavenging. They were catching fish. And 
Oh man, it was just, this is one of the last places in the American West or in the world where you just still have this intact ecosystem where you have a bear on a carcass, wolves catching fish in the river. I just, I looked up at the night and the stars, there was a half moon and I just, it was one of those really surreal moments, one of those amazing moments. And honestly, that's when I absolutely fell in love with the Yellowstone, the Lamar Valley area. You guys, it was incredible. I cannot highly recommend going there enough. If you want to go see wildlife, hit the Lamar Valley, the northeast corner, hit the middle near Hayden Valley. Try to go if you want to see wolves in the morning or in the evening, but you're almost guaranteed to see them. I just, I think they have eight packs of wolves in Yellowstone, eight or nine packs. And we were trying to figure out what pack we saw. We think we saw the Lamar Valley pack, which kind of makes sense, right? But you can go online and we looked and a lot of the members of those packs are jet black. So we're assuming that's the wolves we saw. But next time we go, I want to go specifically to check out wolves and kind of maybe talk to more individuals, especially those part of the wolf watching team, talk to people who've been watching these wolves for years, maybe get some more information. That's what I would do next time. And I would stay in the Northeast corner near Lamar. That way we're just there. That way we're not having to do this kind of crazy drive, but that would be my recommendation. Now I realize we're over like an hour and 12 minutes and I have not shut up. So Really quick, I will tell you, we actually stayed in Gardner, Montana that day. We stayed in three different locations during our stay in Yellowstone, which I would highly recommend, kind of depending on your your travel itinerary, but Gardner, Montana was great. We stayed at a Super 8. It was the nicest Super 8 I've ever been in. Probably the most expensive, too. Super spendy up there. But we left early in Gardner, Montana. We were in the park by 7 a.m., and we wanted to head out to go find a carcass, and we decided to go back to the carcass that the grizzly bear 791 was on. We made our way to Hayden Valley and it turns out that 791 had left. He left the carcass for the first time in I think five or six days. So unfortunately we did not see 791 again, but that's kind of what happens with wildlife watching. You know, these scenes are never guaranteed, but it gives you something exciting to kind of go back. And so we decided to leave Hayden Valley. We only had a few other, or we only had a few hours left in the park and we decided to make our way towards Old Faithful. It's something you have to do. Made our way to the west entrance, kind of where all those famous geysers are. And it was probably the busiest area of Yellowstone. It felt like Disneyland. Kind of felt like a different world. To be honest, I'm happy we did it. Would I go back? Probably not. Maybe when I have kids one day, I'll go back and be like, oh, here's Old Faithful. But for me, I'd way rather go check out the wildlife. From what I could see... Old Faithful in the west entrance, there was very few animals. I think we saw maybe one bison off in the distance and maybe elk near the west entrance, but there really wasn't as many animals. So I would kind of, my focus, because I'm an animal guy, would be focused mainly more on the northeast area of the park. I'm happy we did see Old Faithful. It was exciting. We were able to, we actually got sprayed by her. And the reason why she's called Old Faithful is because they can predict every time she's about to erupt, basically. And that's very unusual for geysers. So literally, um, she hasn't, they've, she's only off like 15 minutes or so. And she's been on schedule for the last 30 years. They called her Old Faithful because they could just rely on her to go off at these exact times. So we were able to see her people like sit around on benches, you know, watching her like a rock concert. It's great. I'm happy we did it. Would I go back? No. 
I'm, I'm, I'm so good. And then we made our way out of uh, the West Entrance back home. Once again, I cannot just recommend my Yellowstone trip more. I cannot recommend Yellowstone more. If you are listening to this and you are kind of on the fence about going or not, go. It is one of the last places on earth where you can see all these amazing animals interacting with each other. If you're listening to this, especially if you are a listener in the States, plan a trip. This is a really good time to go because a lot of the tourists, a lot of the foreign tourists are actually not able to get into the park. So this is a great time if you want to go to Yellowstone to visit and you're not going to see as many crowds. And once again, the best times to go are going to be spring and fall. We, my wife and I, were already planning on going back in the spring. I think the third week in May, we're going back because that is an excellent time to go as well. But every spring and every fall, I am definitely, definitely going back to Yellowstone. Okay, you guys, I hope you found value in this podcast. Thank you so much for just taking the time uh, to listen to me ramble about my experience. I had such a good time and I honestly couldn't wait to get on this podcast and tell you all about the experience. If you want more, I know I've said it a million times, but please check out my YouTube channel. I'll put the links in the bio, but I have tons of vlogs, which are great to accompany this podcast to give you a visual. I'm also when I get a chance, man, I, we're just so busy, but when I get a chance, I'm going to try to write a blog with my wildlife sightseeing tips. There wasn't a lot I could find online or a lot of credible stuff I could find. So I want to put a blog together with photos and to give even people more of a visual of what to do and help them prepare a trip to Yellowstone and even possibly prepare a trip to the Grand Teton National Park. You guys, we're in October, so we have an exciting month planned next week. You guys, we have some crazy topics coming up. Next week, we are going to be talking about man-eaters. That's right, man-eaters. I have a roundtable discussion with Chris and Angie from the All Creatures podcast. You do not, I just, my voice just squeaked. You do not want to miss it. Coming up next week, man-eaters. With that said, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.